Well, we've had some wonderful music and wonderful piano playing, and I have enjoyed it already. And today we're going to be wading into some deep water, and <clears throat> that's the reason I wanted to read uh, this particular verse that Paul said, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. As I prepared this message this week and spent a good little time reading God's word and praying about it and then going to other sources, I, I felt very inadequate. <clears throat> and then the Lord reminded me, the reason you feel inadequate is because you are inadequate. And so today um, I want to make an effort to shed some light on what John saw in Revelation uh, 21. In Revelation 21, these are the words that John gives us through the Holy Spirit. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. And then this next verse is critically important. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. And then he said, write this down, for those words or these words are faithful and true. Now, last Lord's Day, we looked at some of the general truths that came uh, to us from the very lips of Jesus about heaven. And you remember in John 14, we were taught the good news that heaven is a real place. Heaven is a prepared place. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then I believe the Bible teaches us that heaven will be a perfect place. But the bad news is that not everybody is going to heaven. We live in a day when you read the obituaries, it seems like everybody's going to heaven. And there are people who believe in what is called universalism which has to do that we live this life and if we're good people and try to do the best we can, it really doesn't make any difference what religion you are. We will all go to heaven because the Bible says God is love. But according to Scripture, that is not true. In Revelation 20, 15, the Bible 
makes it abundantly clear. It says this, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. This comes from chapter 20. And next Sunday, as I told you, I will preaching on hell, and my text will be from Luke 16. That is the story of a man called Lazarus, not the Lazarus of John 11, but another Lazarus who was a beggar, and he died and went to heaven, and then there was a rich man who died and went to hell, not because he was rich, and we'll deal with that next Sunday. And in his torment, the Bible says this, the man said, I am tormented in these flames. That's the bad news. And Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, not, not everyone, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus also said in the same sermon, enter the narrow gate. He says, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And so last Sunday we talked about the good news that we go to heaven by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. We don't go because we're church members or because we're good or we try to do the best we can. We go because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the bad news is not everybody is going there. And so today, I want to turn our attention to what John saw in Revelation 21. And John said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And so my question is, because that word new appears four times in the verses that I read, my, my question is, is, is what does the word new mean? In fact, both in Isaiah 65 and Isaiah 66, it talks about a new heaven and a new earth. There was a great deal of difference in emphasis. In the Old Testament, the emphasis was on the grave. In the New Testament, uh, it, it's like a, a beautiful blossoming flower. Death is referred to as sleep, and we're told a great deal of those who have trusted Christ, what happens to those people? And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very keystone of, of the new heaven and the new earth. I tried to think this week, I told Fred that I've spent a lot of time meditating and praying and thinking about it because I recognize that I'm going to say some things that probably some of you will disagree and that's all right. That doesn't mean that's the reason I maybe would drive a new car today because I didn't want you to let the air out of my tires. <laughs> but if you disagree, that's okay. And I may say something that you don't understand. Welcome to the club because there are things about um, what I'm saying is I don't quite understand. Because you see, Paul told us, he says, Whatever you can imagine, God has prepared something beyond our ability to imagine. And so we're wading into deep water, and I understand that. But the word new, and I tried to think of an illustration, and this is the, 
the best I could come up with. Suppose next week you decided, being Memorial Day week, that you're going to go out and buy you a new car. And maybe you decide to upgrade a more expensive car, and maybe you decide to get a new model, a new color, uh, a new everything with all the bells and whistles and all those computer gadgets, which I hate. Because those little lights come on and you don't know what to do, and most of the time they don't mean anything. But let's say you go out and buy a new car, and it's a new color, it's a new model, it's a new this. But it's a still, it's a car. Did you get my point? If you decide to buy a new house, you may be a, a bigger house, a different kind of house, but it's still a house. The word new here is different from that. The word new has the idea of being different in essence, in the very core of what we imagine new to be. It will be completely different. Paul says, whatever your eye has seen, it, it is greater than even what you can imagine. So the word new has to do with the depth of newness, the essence, the very essence of what we can conceive it is new. Because that is is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine it. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not a scientific person. I, I took a lot of math in high school, got to college, didn't take one math course. I, I can write checks and I can do math on the calculator, but I am not a math person. A long time ago, when they used to carry it at the library, I loved going to the library. They had a magazine on astronomy and about the heavens and, and, and how far things were. And, and I, I enjoy reading it, though I didn't understand it. A, a light year is a measurement of distance. You already know this, I know, that light travels at a speed of 186,000 miles a second. Now, that's fast. And if you multiply that, that distance for one light year is 6 trillion miles. I'm getting to a point, so hang with me. Now, 6 trillion is 6 with 12 zeros. A light year is the distance that light can travel, and it's six trillion miles. Now, we live in our solar system. Our solar system is a part of what we call the Milky Way, which is our galaxy. But Hubble space things that look out into space says that there are millions of other galaxies. Now, if you were to travel from one end of our galaxy to the other, it would take 100,000 light years. Or if you were to get into a space shuttle, which travels at five miles per second, it would take you 37,000 years to get to one end to the other. And so in our galaxy, 
We are one of what they think are millions of other galaxies, and these scientists, they're smart. They tell us that the universe began 14 billion years ago. I don't know if that's true or not. But I do know one thing, that whenever it began, whether it was a billion years or a million years, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we're living in a time where we are exploring space. And, and, I, and I like that. And now we're hearing about aliens. Folks, I don't believe that there are aliens. I believe that man is the crown of God's creation. But yet, he has said to us that he who created he has prepared for us a new heaven and a new earth. And it seems to me that what we have here in John, he said, I, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And, and to get the full import and impetus of what he is saying, you need to carefully read the whole chapter. Because he's saying here that it is so new that it is hard to imagine but our earth, our present earth is involved in that. It will be a new earth and a new heaven. And it seems there is the, uh, the emerging of our earth and the new heaven together. And you and I, through the blood of Christ, will live there forever. Now I'm going to get into that and I'm going to land this plane at 1.30. And... And so this universe that we live in, this galaxy that's called the Milky Way, it's, it's hard to comprehend that. It's hard for me to realize that it takes a hundred thousand or million light years to just cross our Milky Way. And yet they say there are millions of other galaxies in the universe but I hold true that whenever the beginning was, God created it. And he has given us a word about what happens when we die. And I thought about it this week, and I know I, I'm preaching to a number of young adults, and, and I don't want you to think that I don't want, think you ought to enjoy life. I, I think you ought to enjoy your children and your grandchildren and and life is good, and God is good, and it's been a great week, but we need to have a correct theology about what's going to happen when we die. I, I got word this week that my seminary roommate went home to be with the Lord. And my precious wife, sister, died a few months ago, eight years younger than, 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 than my wife, and and knowing that she did not have long to live, she asked my wife this question. She had two boys that loved God, had a husband that was a pastor. And she said, Ginger, do you think Jesus will hug me when I get home? I believe Jesus will hug us. I don't understand all that. But I believe the word of God is clear that there is a place that will be new and it will be the new heaven and the new earth. And look in verse 2. I'm just getting started. He said, I saw a holy city, 
New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully addressed for her husband. Now in the New Testament, what does the church call the bride of Christ? And he talks about the holy city. Jerusalem, by the way, has always been important to the Jews and Christians. It is a special place. And even on earth, every state has a capital, Richmond. Uh, and, and, and then our nation has a capital, Washington, D.C. I wouldn't want to go there, but it's Washington, D.C. And, and he is saying that this holy city, this new Jerusalem, will have an important part in the new, in the new heaven and the new earth. And what it does say, and I like this, he says... Uh, God will be there, God Himself will be with them and be their God, and He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death and no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. You know what the old order is? You and I live in a, a world full of pain. We live in a world of where it's death and and there are wars, and, 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 and our nation is divided. We are a cursed world because of sin. And sin has, has done its job on us, and, and we struggle in the flesh, and, and our bodies get old, and I, I recognize I am close to the end. But just because you're young doesn't mean you're going to live a long time. I've told you that. But there will be a day when we won't have pain and we won't have uh, separation. And in fact, let me get up there. He, he says, there will no longer be any sea. Have, that's in verse 1. Have you ever wondered why he said that, S-E-A? Because I believe, and there are two reasons. First of all, uh, Three-fourths of our globe is covered in water. We are dependent on water. Animals need waters. Plants need waters. Human being needs water. Ninety percent of our blood is water. I think he's what he's saying here. This will be so new that in the new heaven and the new earth, we will not be dependent on... It, it is new. We will not be dependent on water. It will be so new. Doesn't mean there won't be water there because the Bible talks about a, a river of life. It'll be beautiful. I wish I had another sermon to, to talk about that, but I don't. You won't let me. <laughs> but here he, he, he is saying that there'll be no more sea. Another reason, I believe, he says, in, in the old days, if you got on a ship in the sea to sail, there was a good chance you may never see your loved ones again. It was dangerous travel. In fact, even in the colonial days, to, to get on a, a ship to go to England, uh, that, that was a, a, a difficult, long journey, and you were separated from those you love. And I think it is suggesting that in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be nothing to separate us. And I believe what he's trying to say is that in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, I know I must hurry on, so let, let me hurry. Let, let's drop down to 
verse 15 of chapter 21. If, and if you didn't bring your Bible, shame on you. And, and listen to this. I'll read it to you. The angel who talked with me, now this is John, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gate, and its wall. And the city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide, and he measured the city with the rod and found that to be 12,000 stadia. A stadia is 607 feet. Now, we don't use that word, you know, if I were to ask you, how, how many road frontage do you have to your property? Well, it's two stadia. I've never heard anybody say that. But a stadia was a measurement of 607 feet. Now, when you multiply that by 12,000, that's what it says. A measuring rod found to be 12,000 stadia. You know what that comes out to? 1,500 miles. And so he is measuring now the new heaven and the new earth. And by the way, if you'll notice... It is 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high. It was a perfect cube. Now, folks, I, ch I checked this with a number of Bible scholars, and they all agree with me. <laughs> and, and, and one of them made reference to the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament was also a perfect cube, not, not, of course, this big. But they went on, and a statistician said that the new heaven and the new earth would be 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and, and, and now that's high, 1,500 miles. And somebody divided up in floors, and it was thousands and thousands of floors, and some statistician said that in that you could put a hundred billion people. Now, <clears throat> right now we have what? Eight billion people on the earth. But you see, Jesus said, the way to heaven is narrow. The way to destruction is wide. The implication is that there will be more people who miss heaven because they reject Christ as their Savior. But he measures the city here. And, 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 I, and I believe that in this new place, certain things will, will take place. Now this is going to get a little sticky, so you sit up and smile and listen. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden before before sin entered the world, that was a perfect place, right? A perfect place. And you remember that our heavenly Father said to Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, you have the dominion over this garden. Now that was perfect, like heaven will be perfect. And I, and I take from that that what we have in the Garden of Eden is almost a prototype of what heaven will be, a beautiful place. And if you were to take the time to read 
Revelation 21, it talks about all the beauty, the, the jasper and the gold and the pearl and, and, and the beryl and the amethyst and all of these beautiful arrays of things beyond our imagination to grasp hold of that. I can't even grasp what one light year is. But yet, it's a real place. It's a beautiful place. It's a place where I believe that we will work. By the way, work is not a curse. You know, when we were young, we loved to work, and unless you're lazy, work is a blessing. And, 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 and God gave Adam, he said, you are to tend, tend the garden, you are to take care of it. And in that perfect Eden, not only was there assigned work, but there was also companionship. And I believe there will be companionship in heaven. As I said, I, I lost my roommate this week. Uh, not my present roommate, but my, uh, my, my seminary roommate. And I believe I will talk to him. And when we get home, my wife will talk to her sister. Folks, we will know each other in heaven. I believe that we will be able to talk to Moses and, and Jacob and Joseph and Abraham and, and we will understand how they looked forward to the cross and we'll speak to Paul and Peter and some of the greats of our faith. It will be a place of where we will have dominion and we will have beauty and we will have companionship and there will be relationships. Now, the Bible, you remember Jesus said, and we, I need to mention this, Jesus said there will be no marrying or giving in marriage. See, it will be a new order. You see, marriage, now technically, I know with all the sexual revolution that, you know, sex is everywhere, but God gave the, the, the beautiful intimacy of sex not only to be enjoyed, but the, for the procreation of mankind. It was a gift from God. But in the new order, there will be no marrying or giving in marriage. But that does not mean that we will not have relationships with each other. It does not mean that we cannot carry on a conversation. It does not mean that there will not be legitimate activity. I even believe, and if you disagree, don't get up and walk out, that if you like to play golf, you can play golf. If you love pets, you'll have pets. If you like to hunt, you can have hunts. I believe heaven is literally in the new earth and the new heaven and we will enjoy it and it, even it beyond our imagination, whatever it is, it's going to be good and going to be great. And the reason it's going to be great is mainly is because Jesus will be there. And, and, I, and I recognize, and what time is it? Oh, i got five minutes. And, and I, I believe with all of my heart that um, we'll be able to eat in heaven. And, and you remember in, in, when Jesus was raised from the dead, you remember that? He had 40 days after that. And what did he do? Well, you remember on one occasion he showed uh, doubting Thomas the scars. 
although he had a resurrected body, it was a body that they could see. And he said, look at my scars, Thomas. And you remember that Peter was fishing and he gave Peter instructions about where to fish. And you remember also that Peter cooked breakfast for them. You remember that? Shake your head if you remember that. Yeah. I believe we'll be able to eat in heaven. In fact, when we get to heaven, we'll be able to eat fried chicken with the skin on it. (laughs) The kind Jesus loved. Because, you see, here in his resurrected, he, he, he made breakfast and they ate it. In his resurrected body, he ate. It won't be, Christian, like the idea that we're going to be floating on a cloud and playing a little harp and having little wings. That is not biblical. It'll be a lot, lot better than this. And folks, I confess to you as I close, I do not know a lot about heaven, but there will be a place of unsurpassed joy, a place of unlimited delight. It will be pleasurable Jesus will be there, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. We will have companionship. We will have relationships. We will be able to enjoy the things that we even enjoy now. But to give you the biblical view, I I wrote down, Solomon said this in the Old Testament. I want you to listen closely. The day of our death is better than the day of our birth. Now, see, we we all have it reversed, and it's all right. When our children are born, those beautiful little babies, they just rejoice our heart, and that's fine. But from the biblical, eternal perspective, if you know Jesus, if you've been washed in the blood, if you're a child of God, the day of death is better because we'll go home to be with the Lord. And then the psalmist said, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And listen to what Paul said. Paul said, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better by far, but it is necessary for you that I remain in the body. You see, Paul had this biblical concept. This is a true story, and I'm closing. We had this godly young lady in our church, and she loved the Lord. I got a call one night about 8.30, 9 o'clock. Her husband had taken her to the local hospital. She thought she had the virus. Before she left the local hospital, they told her, you have leukemia. And I remember those dark days. I went to Duke when they were trying to do a stem cell transplant, and it didn't take. And <clears throat> she, um, she got to the place that she knew she was going to die. And I got a call, and, and she wanted to say goodbye to her pastor. And I remember I went over to that house, and Her husband was standing there. I remember her brother was there. Her 
her sister was there, maybe two sisters. And that wonderful saint of God had just wasted away and maybe weighed 80 pounds. And she wanted to say goodbye to me. And I got up in that bed on my knees and gently wrapped my arms around her and kissed her on the forehead to say goodbye. And folks, I'm not exaggerating here. I felt so much the presence of holy God at the time of death. I believe that there are forces that if we look to the Lord, if we've trusted Christ, it will be a door through which we walk and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. I don't know, Lord, if I've handled it right. I, I just have to trust you. Pray, Lord, that you administer to us. I thank you for this church. Thank you for its leaders. I pray, Lord, today that you would uh, apply your word and we're grateful for the Holy Spirit. And I make this prayer in the name of Christ. Amen. Our praise team is going to lead us in an invitational hymn. And I could not close and unless I would say, it may be that there's somebody here today. I know it's a kind of holiday, but if, if you're here today and, and you're not sure if you would go to heaven, if you're not sure about that, let me, let me ask you, please be sure. Come to Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. As we stand and sing.